Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets. I think it's going to be a good one. And I talk about it with one of the hosts of the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. So high right now. Anything's possible. I'm on mama. I'm on my baby, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy Jays back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you for making the show part of your daily routine and your first listen every day. Lockdown Celtics, free and available everywhere podcasts exist. And on YouTube, make sure you're checking out that YouTube page. Uh, every episode available on LockdownCeltics.com. I'm John Corrales. I cover the team for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, which you can buy anywhere books are sold online. So this week's schedule, just a quick update. Going to do a podcast. This is the Wednesday show. Well, I'll do a Thursday podcast for you to watch or listen to during Thanksgiving. You know, pop it on. Uh, put it on TV while you're cooking. Uh, there will be a post-game podcast after the Nets podcast uh, after the Nets game. Then I will not record anything on Thursday. Friday after the game, I will record a quick podcast there. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you do not want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. So Celtics-Nets, I think, can be a really good game. I, I feel like some of the things the Celtics do well are, are going to be right into what Brooklyn doesn't and even vice versa. Question is, will they have Jalen? Will they have Josh Richardson? Both are questionable. If you listen to yesterday's podcast, Jalen with the hamstring was, I knew that this was going to be the case. He was going to be back on the injury report. So we'll see if they become available. Check me out uh, at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter or on Boston Sports Journal to get the answer to that. So to preview the Nets Celtics game, I turn to Adam Armbrecht, one of the co-hosts of the Lockdown Nets podcast. All right, this is the big uh, appetizer, the big Thanksgiving day, you know, whatever. It's a Wednesday, Celtics, Nets. So let's let's get Celtics, Nets crossover over here, man. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm fantastic. Like you say, holidays, right? I like to, uh, I, I pre-bulked up some mass before the holidays came, just in preparation for it. Now I'm sure, going to yeah, yeah. cake on a little bit extra, but it's, uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to, I don't want to dive right in, but. I'm a little surprised where I see the Celtics right now. They're the last 10 games have, you know, I put them in my rear view. I'm not going to lie. You started the season. I said, mm -hmm. things are not trending the right direction for the Boston right. Celtics, <laughs> but, but here we are. Right. And they're, they're, they're keeping themselves relevant and mm -hmm. it makes it for an exciting matchup for them in the nets. Yeah. I mean, look, the Celtics are now only three games behind the nets, uh, eight and three in their last 11. So if you look at the ESPN seven and three in their last 10 tack on another one there, eight and three in their last 11. So winners of three in a row, just like the, the Brooklyn Nets. Although I will say the Celtics did not benefit from playing 
the Magic, and actually they did. <laughs> um, Just the Houston Rockets, the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> I I scrolled so, across it. I glanced to see you know what. But by the way, as as Doug and I said on the uh, on the Nets podcast, like you can always nitpick around who you played and who was healthy or not because it's eighty two games. But by the time we get to the sixty third game of this season, are we going back and saying, well? You know, no, right. win 12 came against the Cavs when they didn't have X players. No, you, you take it for what it is. So it, it's that, that in looking at the Celtics uh, schedule, I said, it doesn't matter. They, they beat the teams. That's that's all you can do. You don't you don't get to say, give me a tougher one tonight. I want to prove something. Right. That's that's true. Um, and the Celtics, I think the one thing that we can say about the Celtics right now is that they have started to actually beat the teams they're supposed to beat because, you know, they do have one of those losses to the Cavs, which is, you know, not entirely embarrassing. There are losses to the Cavs on, on a lot of team, uh, for a lot of teams this year. The Wizards, they lost to the Wizards. Raptors, Knicks, Heat. Uh, they they do have a loss to the Magic, which um, is not great. Um, no, wait. I no. don't know what it's like to lose to the Cavs, although we do treat some of those uh, games. That was a preseason like, game. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my my. Anyway, <laughs> but the Brooklyn Nets here have like the, the, you look at the standings. The Celtics are seven and three in their last ten, according to the you know the ESPN thing. Brooklyn eight and two in their last ten. So basically, the two hottest teams in the East right now are the Celtics and the Nets, and, and both teams have gotten fat on some some you know interesting competition. You, you beat the Cavs twice, the Magic lost to the Warriors, Thunder, Pelicans, Magic lost to the Bulls, uh, Raptors, Pistons, Hawks, Pistons, Pacers wins. So this for each team. I think is a little bit of a measuring stick, uh, you know. Like, okay, let, let's see how good these teams really are. And and good for Brooklyn means a little bit something different than good for the Celtics right now. Good for Brooklyn is okay. Here come the Celtics; they're feeling themselves. Let's see if we can take care of this. And good for the Celtics is here come the Brooklyn Nets. They're at the top of the East. Let's let's see if they, you know, if they're going to take us down. Let's let's make them work for it, you know, and, and obviously both teams want to win. But do you think that's kind of an accurate depiction of how you see this game? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, we talked about it early in the year that and you think about the Golden State Warriors game, right? Did not go the way the Brooklyn Nets intended it to. But coming out of it, we said, obviously, the Warriors, Steph Curry, they're feeling themselves to start this year. It looks like they want to very much be in the, in the deep playoff run conversation. But you come out and you go, remember. Every game, bad teams, good teams, the Chicago Bulls game, everybody looks at the Brooklyn Nets, even without Kyrie. You see Kevin Durant, who's entrenching, entrenching himself into that MVP conversation, and you say, you know, we want to win this game. The Brooklyn Nets are still considered among the top teams, if not the top team in the East. We want to prove that we can beat them. So I think the Celtics are a team that, however they came into this year, the talent's there. Right, they're obviously talented enough to be one of the one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. So you know you're going to get your best effort. And to this point of the season, the Nets have been figuring out a lot of stuff. Obviously, they've been dealing with a handful of small injuries, but ultimately, some of the you know quote unquote tougher tests have proved too difficult for them. They have not been able to beat some of the better teams that have been on their schedule. So. I still do think that the Nets have plenty that they want to prove to themselves in the first now 15, 20 games of the year. So when it comes to Brooklyn, you know, I don't even want to talk about the Kyrie stuff. He'll, he'll come back whenever he decides to come back. Let's uh, talk about Cam Thomas, baby. Let's, let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, okay, let's talk about Cam Thomas because yeah. everybody's coming in and talking about you know Kyrie and and you know Harden and and all that stuff and the stuff that you're lucking out a little bit with Joe Harris being out, but he hasn't been off to the greatest start. Joe Harris, um, yeah, started Cameron. to get there, like started to get there just before the injury. Last handful of games was hitting hitting his usual percentage. He's he was second in the league behind Patty Mills before the injury from beyond the arc. So the percentage got there. Started out really cold and gave all of. If you're a Nets fan that wants to dump on somebody, obviously off the playoff game, like Joe Harris was right yeah, there, and everyone right there was, was doing yeah. that. Yeah, go ahead and let, let, start Patty Mills over him, etc. And Patty Mills has been great. Um, but just to, to throw Cam Thomas into that conversation for the sake of when you look at the Nets roster right now, the reason why Doug and I talk about Joe Harris being so crucial, it's not just because can Patty Mills play? Of course he can. But then what happens after Patty Mills? And when you look at the roster, they don't have a lot of consistent perimeter shooters beyond Joe Harris, then beyond Patty Mills. So the minute shares 30 minutes a game for Joe Harris. How do you fill those? This last game, 15 minutes of fame at the NBA level for Cam Thomas. But it at least shows you that this is a kid who's starting to get comfortable. He's been doing amazing things in the G League. For the next three or four games, however long it takes for Joe Harris to get back, you need to tap into someone. And do we think that Cam Thomas is automatically, you know, lock, lock him in to be the spark plug in every third quarter? No. But this is what you need to feel your way through. Who are you going to look to? Behind James Harden as he figures out his own game. Kevin Durant, shoulder, they gave finally got to give him a night off. There's there's a lot of moving parts, and this team has a different identity this year than last season, but you still got to find scoring. And he who, the name who shall not be mentioned, is not a part of this team, <laughs> and it represents a big minute share and, and specifically offensive minutes, right? That's what you're trying to figure out, and it has diminished the value of some other players. You know, cough, cough, Blake Griffin suddenly the grit and grime and the hustle does not look nearly as valuable as it did last year. And we're seeing the Nets trying to figure that out of the fly a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, we, when I hopped on your show after the draft and talked a little bit about Cam Thomas and, and this is exactly what we were talking about, right? Yep. He's, he's a guy who, even though he's a rookie comes in and is like, nah, I doesn't matter how long I've been in the league. I'm still a bucket and I'm going to come get some for you. And you know, in that, in that win over Cleveland, here he is 11 points uh, in 15 minutes, it, a, a nice performance there. And so that that's why I think for, for the Celtics fans perspective, like, oh, okay, this is why Cam Thomas is coming up. Uh, and this was always the potential that you got a guy who fit right into the Brooklyn offense first kind of mentality. And should there be an opportunity, he could come in and, and just look, go play your game. Do what you got to do. Do what you do best, and and we'll we'll roll with it. And and so that is going to be a factor for the Celtics. They're going to have to deal with that because you know, you, like I said before, you come in, you game plan for certain people on the Nets, and then here's a rookie, and maybe you overlook him a little bit, and then he goes off and he drops like you know two three buckets in a row. That's going to be that that could be something that swings the game, especially with the Celtics. Not sure if they're going to have Jalen Brown. And if they do have him, he's still not 100% off of that hamstring injury. So any little advantage you can gain is is going to be magnified, I think, for Brooklyn. And by the way, too, I mean, listen, he had 15 minutes, biggest stretch that he's given. Until he entrenches himself on the, on the roster at the NBA level, he's going back and forth between the G League until he shows because there are inconsistencies on the defensive end. And I, we just said this after the postgame. It was great. We were excited to see him. And also... There's all these little things. I, most NBA fans will say, if you can score, that's it. And, and it's true. 
but you do have to know what your responsibility and role is on the other end of the court. And that's still something he's feeling through. And to your point, Jalen Brown, hundred percent healthy. You want to get caught on a switch with Cam Thomas defending him? Probably not. And now you're getting into this net neutral result or potentially negative. So it's hard to say what, what Cam Thomas's role is going to be in the immediate future. It is a nice little feather in the cap. I think the more interesting thing, at least for, for this game specifically is uh, Blake Griffin got benched at, coming out of the second half in the last game that the Nets got the win there. They come into this one now is LaMarcus Aldrich picking up the pace a little bit as far as his minutes go. You, the Celtics may be coming into more James Johnson minutes and, and you know, and bigger and bigger role for LaMarcus Aldrich, who's been very good to start this year. And even Bembry now with Bruce Brown, he's been dealing with a little injury too. So the Celtics are catching. We just talked, you know, said the coaching staff seems to be leaning into some of these new players that they, that they acquired in the off season. The Celtics could get caught in this weird spot of not fully knowing what that's going to look like. Not that that precludes the Celtics from having success, obviously, but it, it's difficult, right? You scout for one thing. And then all of a sudden you go, here's Patty Mills in the starting rotation and Blake Griffin's buried on the bench. Okay. You know, Blake Griffin's the guy you hunt down switches for an attack. Now all of a sudden you don't have that option. So that's certainly a facet that I'm, I'm intrigued to see how certain teams switch and defend against some new looks from Brooklyn. You know, it's like um, you get surprised by something that you didn't even realize was coming. Mm -hmm. And that's just like uh, when you sign up for a free subscription somewhere and you forget about it. That's why you need something like Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. I hate them. They make you sign up for, for it with a credit card, knowing that you're going to forget after a month, a week, or whatever, and that's how they get you. So that's why, on average, people send, s save, I'll spit that out, up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge. Concierge is fancy. They're, with that person, <laughs> there's no need. They'll do it for you. So uh, I said on the podcast yesterday, I got I got busted with a, a renewal that I forgot. It was super expensive. Uh, I got a free trial and uh, I, I needed something like Truebill to, to help cancel it. So don't fall for these subscription scams. Cancel them today with Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. You can save thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. John, if I could. Yes, sir. Speaking of concierges, if you have yes. one, and obviously I'm sure that that's what your subscription was for. It was for a personal concierge. John, yeah. big wig. He doesn't do his own shopping. <laughs> if I could borrow him, I would say, hey, why don't you slide me over a couple of built bars? Because the holiday season's here and upon us. And as I've been saying, why would you risk the carbs, friends? You got the turkey, the gravy, the tryptophan, the, the cranberry sauce. It's all delicious. Come down to dessert. Save yourself some of that painful 300-calorie slice of pie. And go ahead and grab yourself a little bit of treat. Over at Built.com all month long, they've been doing some special uh, surprises, Black Friday surprises. Among them, how about a little taste here of a lemon-dipped cheesecake bar? Ooh, Delicious. I didn't exactly. see that one. Could you even hear that just, just salivating in John's mouth right there? As you think about having one of these 
They, and you get beyond the fact that it's delicious, obviously, because these guys know it's 100% covered in chocolate, but it also is high in protein, low in calorie, low in all those risky, dirty sugars that you don't want to get involved in. Like I said, surprises all month long over on Built.com with limited flavors like that lemon dip cheesecake right there. You get over to Built.com regularly and check out often as possible. So they're going to splash in those surprises for you. Nothing like a Built Bar on Black Friday, as I said. So mark down your calendar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. I just realized they have peanut butter brownie protein balls. You're watching Always Sunny? Little protein yeah. balls that Charlie makes for himself? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting. I don't want to get into Bill Barr's pocket here, but I'm guessing they have a slightly better healthy better version one. of that recipe better yeah. version of that you take you take what you see on tv you make it better and you sell it on built.com <laughs> can i can i can i ask you something because so coming Always. into this game if i could if i could john if you have the time i, I went over at, first i looked over at uh the, some of the season stats you look at just the rankings for the nba mm-hmm. and i noticed that the celtics are absolutely terrible from beyond the arc but then i thought Oh, well, maybe this last 10-game, 11-game stretch where they've been playing well, they've improved that. They're actually worse from beyond the arc over that win streak in in a league predicated on the, on the three-point shooting. It's like when I look at the Nets and we always say, well, they get out-rebounded a lot. Yeah, but when you hit the three-point at a high clip, when you have kings of the mid-range that they do on their roster, you can bypass that, play your game. What is Boston doing that affords them the ability to be to be bad in one of the most important categories in the modern NBA. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this last 11 games, and they're 33% from three. The thing is that they're, they're getting points in the paint. Yep. Um, and I'll, I'll even, while I'm talking, let's see if we can get to the points in the paint here. Because that's, that's where the Celtics, especially like against uh, the Lakers, where they had, I mm-hmm. think, 56 points in the paint. They've been playing teams that have kind of, allowed for more of that um and they're they are being more aggressive they're moving the ball a little bit more so they they are hitting more mid-range and they're hitting more points in the paint you look at the the types of players that they've had tatum over the course of the last few games especially better at the rim hitting more of his mid-range shots he's actually hitting from three um but dennis schroeder attacking guard getting to the rim, getting to the line, and ones. Josh Richardson, who's questionable for this game, but has been really good in the past, during the course of this streak, not a big three-point shooter, but can drive, can get himself to the line, can get himself to spots on the floor uh, where where he's hitting. So they are hitting a lot more two-pointers. But And then on top of that, when you look at their defensive uh, numbers, their defense has been fantastic and if we look at these last 11 games the Celtics have the number one defensive rating in the league at 100.1 so you're giving up 100 points per 100 possessions that's that's a really good defense so they're holding teams down to make up for their lack of scoring their their offense is middle of the pack this is why in this Brooklyn game I think it's going to be super super interesting because you have a team in Brooklyn obviously that can score and score a ton the Celtics defense has been really, really good lately. And my question is, can the Celtics hold Brooklyn 
somewhat in check, you know, holding for whatever Brooklyn in check means, mm-hmm. and then take advantage of their defensive liabilities so that middle of the pack offense can jump and be a lot better. And if their defense is good enough to bring Brooklyn down just a little bit, you might actually have a real battle here. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, listen, Kevin Durant, the the defending him is just wait for him to take a shot. And if it doesn't go in, good right. for you. You did your job. And that's not, you know. Yeah, congratulations. You, you missed one. What spot can you force him to that's not a spot that he likes? Well, and, we, and that's when we always talk about the idea of when he comes down the court, it's always, well, it's just a matter of when he gets to his spot, does he knock it down? Not about can you stop him from getting to his spot? Yeah. Because he's one of these guys that, uh, breaking news, he's really good. And, and he's also... <laughs> He's also methodical. Like there's not an urgency to his game. It's just a very consistent, here I go, getting to where, getting spotted on the floor that I like. And then even when you have, you know, the Cleveland game for whatever Cleveland's going to be, they got some guys back healthy and you look at it with Markinen and with Dean and with, you know, Jared Allen. Allen didn't get onto KD, but they have a lot of length. And we, we've talked about this before. The shot form of Kevin Durant is such that it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't really matter if you have the length on. It doesn't really matter if you have the size. He's capable of getting it where he wants. But to your point about getting at the rim and attacking, I think it goes both ways for Boston. Correct me if I'm wrong, but congesting the paint and using your length and size to, to create a little bit of frustration in and around the basket for James Harden. Now, that's someone who you can frustrate. That's someone who you can take away a facet of a game that he really likes. And I want to get to a couple of aging veterans uh, that could match up in this one, I think, uh, pretty successfully on both sides. But I do wonder about that piece of it. You say Boston, solid defensively. If Now, we saw a game where James Harden had 20 free throw attempts. So the, 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 league, is, the league is coming back to the, to the mean here as far as what fouls they're calling. And I think, I think Harden has adjusted. But if you, can, if you can prevent him from getting easy looks or easy penetration and having to over-collapse the paint defense and stay at home on some of your assignments, now you're just talking about is Harden effective enough to get to the rim with consistency, to get some foul calls and get to the line? Because if you take that away, now you start to lean on other players on this roster and say, can you knock down your shot? Patty Mills has shown he's very capable of doing that. Bembry, streaky he can slash at the basket but these aren't shot creators in their own right so again without joe harris on the court you're looking at a team that is very thin at self-creating shot makers on the offensive end and that 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 she said that match up the defensive piece of it it'll be interesting to see how effective harden is early because a lot of the, the success is predicated on what he does because kevin durant incredible player incredible shot maker does create space for everyone else but he doesn't create shots for everyone else necessarily, right? He's not facilitating. He's getting his, and then someone else has to carry that load of getting everyone involved. That's Harden's role. So that's the 1A, and maybe, to your point again, Jalen Brown, if healthy, defensively, what are you going to do? Marcus Smart? Like, what are you going to run? What do you want to run at James Harden to frustrate him and get him off his spot? Well, one thing thing I think the Celtics have been able to do is, is, is vary their defensive looks in in part of the early season kind of struggles were because the first few weeks of the the regular season were basically an extended preseason for Ime Odoka because that was like in the beginning the all the talk around here was how, how can you switch so much they're switching everything they're switching one through five all the time and it was like okay he said flat out like look 
and I, I know we everybody wants to ask me this question. Just this isn't going to be how we defend every day, all day. Um, just I'm what he did was he he kind of put Boston through some sort of immersion therapy, where it was all like we're just going to switch everything all the time, no matter what. Just so you guys can get used to the switching and the communication involved. Then we're going to start working some other stuff in. Mm-hmm. All that is to say that the Celtics do have other things now that they can throw at Harden and, and looks that they could try to throw at Trey Young, like this stuff that they threw at Luka. Now, Luka didn't have a great game. He hit a game winner against the Celtics. Trey Young didn't have a great shooting night, but he picked the Celtics apart with his defense and penetration. Now, the Celtics are hoping that they can kind of throw some of those things, some of those principles that you know combine the two. Because if you put Luka and Trey Young together – big guard with a huge pet, you know, with the passing and the shooting that now you've got your James Harden. Can you, can you do something here to kind of use your size against him because he's so strong, but also make sure your help defense is strong behind him. He's going to penetrate, you know, he's going to get by you. So can that help around him, uh, around your defenders kind of get there and, and maybe draw a charge or challenge the shot at the rim and and stay vertical, which the Celtics do have a, they, they do a good job of being able to stay vertical at the rim when they challenge. Uh, and then rotating behind him, trying to take away those passing lanes and kind of bait him into some of those passes and maybe get some, some steals off of that. So the Celtics defensively are, are there. They have more weapons. Now, if this game was being played in the first week of the season, they didn't have quite as many weapons to throw at, at James Harden. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they do that and, and really how much attention they pay to Durant and how much do they say, look, Durant's going to get his. Let's not overhelp, overreact to Durant because we're going to have to overhelp on on Harden and that that we're going to have to pick our spots there. Who's most likely uh, from a defensive perspective to frustrate Harden? And I don't mean one-on-one, but just collectively. Who's most likely to frustrate Harden and who's most likely to get frustrated by Harden? As in, if he's driving the lane and he's getting those foul calls, you're going to see those those reactions, the buildup there. Because I think that goes yeah. both ways, right? And the early script of this game, if they're getting the calls, that is the, the Nets and James Harden, well, then, then then, there's momentum on that side of it. If the refs, and we've seen this early in the season, if the refs are letting some plays go, letting some physical play go, maybe a couple of touches on the arm, the wrist, et cetera, James Harden gets frustrated. And then he starts to revert a little bit to his perimeter game. And I say consistently, the perimeter game can be nice at times. We all love the little shuffle between the legs, the step back and the triple, but it, that's not the strongest area of Harden's game. And sometimes he can pull himself out of that. So, I mean, is there... Is there a guy that's a risk reward player when you talk about trying to defend against Harden? Well, it's Marcus Smart. I mean, Marcus I mean, Smart. I don't, I don't want to say it was a yeah, yeah. layup question, yeah, but I feel like it absolutely is. I mean, and, and he and Martin Marcus and, and James have that the history together. Very famously, he drew two offensive fouls in a huge comeback win over the Houston Rockets a few years yep. ago. So they have history. And so like Marcus Smart's gonna really, really get up for this game. And if they do let him get a little physical, if they do let some of that contact go, then you're going to see Smart, a super, super engaged Marcus Smart, who's already generally pretty engaged and looking forward to, to this challenge. So um, on the flip side, if if Harden can get by that initial point of attack and he can get to the rim, uh, it's going to be on the the bigs, obviously, and Robert Williams and, and – 
if Robert Williams can stay vertical and block shots, then great. That's kind of like a 1A answer to Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. If if he gets called for fouls and has to sit, then the Celtics have some issues because you have you have Al Horford who has been amazing defensively, but he's 35 and he's he's not going to play quite as many minutes. And then after that, the Celtics are kind of limited. Now you go with Grant Williams as a small ball center. Okay, he does a decent job staying vertical. Uh, Ennis Cantor, if Ennis Cantor's on the floor, forget it. Congratulations on your win. We'll talk on Friday, you know, and and, and that'll be it. So um, <laughs> yeah. there, there's an opportunity there to to frustrate the Celtics if if he's getting to the the, the rim and drawing fouls on the bigs. I'll be I'll be curious to see about that. You mentioned Al Horford, and that's I want to get into the uh, the matchup with with LaMarcus Aldrich, the, the, these two <laughs> aging veterans on the wrong side of whatever the curve is in the NBA <laughs> and yet having success and being contributors. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that matchup for a very specific reason as, as it pertains to Harden's penetration. But before we do, we're talking about being frustrated. I wonder if you, does John Carolus look over at betonline.ag and think this is a game where the Celtics do frustrate the, the, the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm going to get a couple of shekels over there because we, we know what Bet Online's capable of. They've got this remodeled system over there. The website looks fancy. It's beautiful. They're covering football and all these other great sports, but NBA holiday upon us, the number one spot for all the sports action over the course of Thanksgiving. John putting down money? You know, I, I think I like, I like the... Um, I, I don't see the odds here for this game yet, but I think if the Celtics are, are within, like, like five, I would put money down on the Celtics. I think the Celtics can keep this one close. So, yeah, I'm, I'm watching that one a little close. Um, I'm also watching the over/under. Uh, I want to see what I want to see what their experts have to say about how many points can go up on the board here. I think I think an over/under, a fair over/under here. It, I, I can see the teams putting up 220 plus uh, combined points. So if the over/under allows me for that, I'll I'll put money on that too. So you can join John and get over to betonline.ag where I say updated website on your desktop or your mobile device. You sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus using promo code locked on. 50% welcome bonus just for signing up. Get over there, use promo code locked on. And of course, it's not just the NBA, it's also football. They've got the uh, pro and collegiate level covered for you there. NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Stuffed. I'm also stuffed. Yeah, speaking of stuffed, I'm stuffed with love for LaMarcus Aldridge. The guy does not know how old he is. He doesn't know that you're not supposed to hit that high of a percentage from the mid-range game. But you just mentioned about if if Harden penetrates and gets Williams into the foul trouble. Now you're talking about a player in Al Horford who's been good defensively, maybe not great given his age and, and his contributions. But I'll be fascinated by that piece of it because one of the best benefits that we've seen, and I think the reason why Doug and I have pushed for and expect to see Aldrich starting, getting big, bigger minute shares over Blake Griffin going forward, is because off of penetration, there's nothing better than having LaMarcus Aldrich just lingering in and around the elbow, waiting for what feels like an automatic jumper. 
do you do you see that being a a subplot here and i mean i feel like it's going to be a dynamic matchup just for the sake that the skill sets and and the, <laughs> the athleticism feels like it's in kind of the same range do you see that as an advantage for al horford that he could be someone who matches up nicely with marcus aldrich or can aldrich be a factor pulling him out away from the basket and maybe impacting things pick and rolls etc well, I, I do think that kind of depends on the, what point of the game it is, and that's going to be the interesting part of the chess match between the two coaches is you know how often, how much do you stagger Horford and Robert Williams? How much do you use Grant as a small ball big? I mean, Grant has had some level of success against Brooklyn, um, and if, if Brooklyn goes small, you can do that and save your Horford minutes for for the moments that LaMarcus Aldridge is on the floor. And so if you've got Rob behind him and he's kind of patrolling the rim, then Horford on, on LaMarcus Aldridge is, is fine because I, I do think that you can still help off him a little bit, but Horford is playing so well. This is our version of that, that he's playing so well and he's moving so well that I think he understands, like he, he knows obviously what LaMarcus Aldridge can do, but he also understands, like, how far can I go to help off of Aldridge and and, and dig and then get back? You know, it's yeah. I, I don't think Horford is prone to the overhelping quite as much. And so I think I think he can even sometimes bait that pass so you get it back to Aldridge, but then Horford is there and forces Aldridge to move it. And now you've not only gotten the ball out of somebody else's hands who thinks like you said, Aldridge is an automatic. Now, now Horford gets it out of Aldridge's hands, and now you're into your third option, and and maybe that's a way to to get those those other guys that you want taking the shots to actually have the ball in their hands. So, I think Horford on on Aldridge that that's a matchup that I like yeah. all day long. You know, and and if if Aldridge if Aldridge is the guy that beats you, then you know you just. Aldridge is the guy that beats you. Like if you've done your job against Durant and he's not having a hot night, and you've you've done your job against Harden, and then Aldridge is you know eight of nine from the field, and it's you lose by two. It's like, well, you know, congratulations, <laughs> I mean, congratulations. Right. Like that's that's what happens when you play the Nets. So, uh, but I, I I think I think the Celtics can can have if if Horford's the guy, yeah. That then I I like that matchup. I'd like Williams to be off the floor, and I just want to get back to like old school, early in these guys' careers. I want Aldridge backing down Horford, you know, forearm in the back. I want these guys to mentally be back in 2002 and going at it with one another. That's probably, I probably, probably too many years back there, but, but, but I don't know. It might not be. I was going to say, I'm trying, I'm trying to hit the mark there. Is 2002 too many years? I was going to go with 2004. Right. I think, I think 04, we're talking prime, prime rookie first year campaigns for these guys. Yeah. Um, it almost seems a big Hawks Blazers matchup. <laughs> I was about to see, yeah, get it back. And by the way, the Aldridge and Horford both still look virtually identical. I mean, Horford's gotten a little bit bigger, I think, over his career, but they essentially look like the exact same person twenty years later. It's insane. I, I don't think Al Horford has aged. He he hasn't aged at all. Like I, he's he's I don't know. It, we talked about it before off podcast. Something in the uh, water in OKC. You know, yeah, there you go. But. uh you know, John Carolus uh, photo side by side from 20 years ago. 
spit an image. Can't even tell it to uh, you. You don't know. You don't know who's who's going. Yeah, where. if you turn my head upside down <laughs> with the hair on the bottom of my head is now on the top, then yes, that looks exactly <laughs> like me. Yeah, twenty years ago, the hair was up here and not down here. Um, it feels. I feel like I can't, from a Nets perspective, get away from. We haven't talked about. I don't know if Tatum is what you call a quality basketball player or not. I feel like we could, you know, jury may still be out on this guy. But yeah. do you, uh, is there anybody as far as this same, feels the same kind of thing, right? Throw a lot of bodies at this guy, a lot of different looks. What matchups do you want him to get to? I mean, do you, do you look at him in a similar vein of a Kevin Durant of saying he gets where he wants to go to, he gets his looks because having not watched a ton of Boston this season, in general, it does seem like Jason Tatum can sometimes go through this process. I, I think of it akin to uh, to Giannis at times, where it feels like the things that he can excel at in a given matchup, he sometimes doesn't get to soon enough. He mm-hmm. wants to do this full version, complete game, or wants to stay on the outside, doesn't want to drive downhill, whatever it may be. And then the games when he does get to it, it's just, well, yeah, there he is. There's the perennial in the conversation for MVP every single season. Like, you get it. Does it on both ends of the floor. But do you look at him like a, like a Durant? Hey, I'm going to get to my spot and take my shot as I want it. And, you know, I, I see switching opportunities. I see matchup opportunities for Brooklyn. But I also do think, coming into it, you just say, if you're the Nets, listen, Tatum's going to do what he's going to do. Our job is to, if Jalen Brown is there, try to take him out of rhythm try to frustrate what they want to do in the paint. And and you say, yeah, he's going to get his points. He's going to get his looks. He's going to get his touches. I mean, obviously, I think the game plan against Tatum is to do a lot of like, if I was preparing for the Celtics, I'd be doing like a lot of veering type of things where you kind of let him get off. You want him off the three-point line. So you run him off the three-point line and you kind of veer him into a wall and you don't let him get all the way to the rim. And knowing that he'll gladly either two things, shoot from the mid-range or give the ball up, which if, if the Celtics don't have Jalen Brown, then then that's those are the two things you want Tatum to do. You don't want him bombing away from three and getting hot. You don't want him get him to getting to the rim and drawing your your uh you know nine, ten free throws. So yeah, he can get to spots. And the the, the problem with Tatum is that the spots he likes are often multiple dribble, fadeaway, 17-footers that he doesn't hit at the percentage that you should hit when you shoot him at that volume. Now, the past four games when Tatum is is averaging close to 34 points a game, his his efficiency at the rim has gone. He's up 20% shooting at the rim over the last four games. Uh, and he's still taking mid-range shots. His three-pointers are falling, but he's attacking and he's getting more free throws. And that that's the Tatum that the Celtics really, really want. That's the guy. And you know, so I mean, that's, you, that's you know, the problem. Like that, and that that's the biggest problem for Brooklyn, right? Because to me, the strength of it is the weakness for Brooklyn. How yeah. how do you, how do you get in at the rim against Jason Tatum and prevent that? We, we go through the big say it's not going to be Lamarcus Aldrich. You know, I mean, he he can be there. <laughs> now, if you happen to run into him, good. We, we talk about you know Blake Griffin. He's still maybe going to get some minutes here. I think 
opportunities for taking charges, sure. But he's not a guy, he's not a rim protector in the traditional sense. And and then you look into the Nets roster right now, they don't have, still waiting on what Paul Millsap is going to be. We, we're optimistic it's something. As of right now, it's an empty bucket at the, at the back end of the bench. Uh, Nicholas Claxton dealing with his ill. You don't have, we don't have bodies in and around the paint. And I do start to wonder when you get on these switches, is is Kevin Durant going to have to try to take on that challenge and use his length to keep him away from the lane, to keep him away from the rim, and then see if you can catch that sweet spot, running him off the line and then yep. preventing him from getting past the next wave. And there's been this ebb and flow for Brooklyn defensively where they can look really crisp. The switches, the rotations can all be great, and then they can have lapses. And mm-hmm. those lapses can really open the floodgates for a player like Tatum to say, oh, miscommunication, I'm at the rim. Miscommunication, yep. I'm at the rim. And then you, and this is true of any NBA team, then the frustration fouls start to come. Then you get to the line, and, and that gap can start to widen in a hurry on you. I think Tatum, the, the next stage this of this season is giving the ball up and getting it back. He's, he's giving the ball up. If you blitz him, he will, he will pass the ball. And he passes at the right time. He's, he's getting a lot better at that. What hasn't happened is him doing what he needs to do or the Celtics doing what they need to do schematically to get him the ball back. And is so that him or is that teammates? Because that's, that's I think it's, like his lackadaisical on his both. part to not do the extra the extra step that, that gets you that open spot or just collectively of this is our guy. We we need to get it to him yeah. as often as possible. I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think sometimes mm-hmm. he gives the ball up and is like, okay, I'm going to go stand over here and draw the attention. You guys use your space to go do something, which is is fine. Look, look, there was, uh, I forget which game it was, Schroeder ended the game running pick and rolls with Al Horford and it was, I think it was the, the second win, the, the second game in Cleveland that, that they won. Tatum spent the last four minutes of the game standing in the corner as, as sort of a decoy. And it was Schroeder pick and rolls with Al Horford. And Schroeder picked, the t- picked them apart and they won. So that's something that um, I think the Celtics, like, okay, yeah, you have that option. But if you're Brooklyn, Schroeder pick and rolls are like, okay, yeah, fine. You want to do it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. I'll tell you right now, if Tatum wants to go stand in the corner, by all means, I love Yeah, him. right. Exactly. I'll, I'll exactly. live and die on Schroeder and whatever whatever he accomplishes, yeah. not to diminish him. No, it's interesting. I, you know, the, the a couple of games ago, Kevin Durant, now he ended up getting the very next game off with the shoulder. But when we came into it, Doug was referencing back to the game saying, you didn't even see Kevin Durant close it out. But it's because Kevin Durant was almost effectively off the court. Now, it seems like the injury played a, played a factor in that. But that's how uh, prominent these players are and how prominent they need to be. You can't go possessions where Kevin Durant, even James Harden, or Jason Tatum, like you can't go possessions where you're not sure where Tatum is. He right. needs to always be seen. He needs to be heard. And that does seem to be maybe the last wrinkle of his of his game is just getting get a little more dominant, right? Get a little bit more. This is my team. You do yep. when I say I want it, I want it. And and even when I don't know if I need it, you still give it to me just to check in. Like that's maybe the last phase of thing getting over this hump here. But it's been so far. I, I've been impressed. Just I mean, I guess maybe not to round it out, but I've been impressed that Boston has navigated some interesting waters early in the season. I mean, there was a point here early where. Marcus Smart was trying to go nuclear and just just, just implode this yeah. team as quickly as he could. And then there was talk about trading him, right? And I don't know if that's still something that would be on the table, but 
I, I've been impressed that they've been able to kind of steady themselves a little bit because coming out of last season, it was a set of circumstances ripe for things to start to deteriorate yeah. for them. I think, I, and I'll just wrap it up with this. I think this, the attitude of this team under Ime Odoka has been has been very good about the um, talking things through. And even when Marcus said what he said, you know, look, he said what he said, and the Celtics are eight and three cents. So, you know, not to say that that's the direct, like, oh, okay, Marcus Smart talked, and now that everything is better. But Marcus Smart talked, and now everybody talked, and things are are better for that and other reasons that are, are you know. But sometimes, even if you say something to someone that you're like, okay, I didn't mean to say it that way. But at least that starts the conversation, right? Like it, you'd still, there'd still be a better way, but like, I mean, we've been in relationships, we've been in fights. You're like, okay, I didn't mean to say it quite like that. But then eventually when everybody calms down, you get to the heart of the matter and be like, okay, okay, now, now, okay, we're good. We're good. I'm sorry about how I said it. And then you move forward. I kind of feel like that's how it went with the Celtics and and they're, they're progressing and, and that's the culture that they wanted to to cultivate and and here they are. So we'll see. I think I think it's going to be a great game. I think I think what the the Celtics do well and I, it it works both ways. I think what the Celtics do well, Brooklyn doesn't do well and vice versa and I think this is going to be a, this can be a game where at the end we might see the people on Twitter doing that thing after a great game but ooh, seven games of this please, you know? Yeah. I think I think yeah. this this has the potential to have that kind of that kind of you know game, yeah. And re- recent schedule for both these team I th- teams I think suggests they can both come out of this feeling something. Mm-hmm. Learn, you're going to learn probably as much as you have over recent games in this game. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, and and to, just to be clear, as my partner would tell you, I'm the king of saying things the wrong way to start. And just backing that down and just saying, well, there's a lot of layers to what I'd like to communicate, but let's just start at the highest, most aggressive possible point, and then we'll work our way back from there. I don't think you know. Listen, when you, that. you remember when they used to do word clouds? They used to like <laughs> right. the things you used to write the most. <laughs> if if in the middle in big bold words is what I meant to say, mm. that's a problem. What I meant to say was... I'm working on my word cloud, John. Let's let's just put it that way. Uh, Listen, uh, John and I are the two wrong people to put together on a podcast, I think, because uh, uh, verbose. That's my word cloud. Right in the middle of it is overly verbose. But but I'm looking forward to the My word cloud is big. Many (laughs) words in my... But I love it, though. We've done this a lot. I love getting on with you. And uh, hopefully this is a good one because that means that every yeah. time we see them on the calendar, we, we can hop on again and mm-hmm. continue to dissect how right how right both of us are. Let's just yeah. let's, right. let, let's set the bar there. Sure. Sure. All right. Good talking to you, man. You too. Always a lot of fun when Adam and I get together. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens here. I, I, I think it's going to be a good one. I really do. I'm looking forward to this one again. I will do a post game pod on uh, after the game. I will not record on Thursday, so Friday morning no podcast. But Friday after the game, I'll give you something after the Celtics and Spurs. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. And if you are not subscribed on YouTube, please do that. That's really really important to me right now. <laughs> the big big push that we're we're trying to make here with the YouTube page. 
So most importantly, share the podcast when you get there to Thanksgiving dinner and you're talking about the Celtics with your family, with your friends. Ask them if they've listened to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Tell them they should be listening to and watching Lockdown Celtics here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. 